So how are the kids? Uh, they're doing great. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh. Got to help them with their math. They're growing up. They're literally growing up before my eyes. Thanks to thanks to this pandemic, you know. My wife's yeah. going crazy at me at the house. Uh, how how every uh, how every podcast starts. So it's like, first of all, how how are things at home? You know, the kids are kind of driving their wife's. <laughs> like the Daddy Issues podcast with Joe Buck and Oliver Hudson. That's every po- That's the start of every podcast. They just talk about like what's going on at home. This the same exact conversation as this. We need to put that in the podcast. That whole little section right there. An all-new Hall or Nothing. Alex Weiner, Koki Riley, and well, at first I wanted to do this show a couple of weeks ago, following Long Gone Summer, the ESPN 30 for 30 on the home run race in 1998 between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I thought it would be timely to go into potential Hall of Fame cases for players who are either accused or proven to have taken steroids. Um, but the pandemic, it kind of time just kind of moves, and you kind of realize it's been two weeks since Long Gone Summer. But we're going to do it now because we can. Um, but first off, Koki Riley, how are you doing? <laughs> because we can, yes, absolutely. That's, that's the that's the theme of the pandemic. Because we can. Because we can, yeah. It, so you why, know not? why we go outside without masks on, in, in with a pool in Scottsdale with a whole bunch of other people, right? Because we can. I'm just I'm saying. Kidding. I want baseball. I want sports. Okay. And in order to get that, um, I'm going to need to be able to like go to the games and watch the games. And I can't do that if there's a pandemic out there. So wear your mask. There you go. Everybody, wear your mask. It's not that hard. <laughs> anyway, but this should be old news by now. Uh, so, a little history lesson with um, steroid users. Uh, back in 1988, uh, Congress passed the Anti Drug Abuse Act. Um, which created criminal penalties for those who distribute or possess anabolic steroids. And eventually they uh, put that in the same category, put steroids in the same category as amphetamines, morphine, morphine, opium. Um, So Congress took a pretty hard stance on steroids. And in 1991, uh, the commissioner of baseball, Faye Vincent, said that, sent a memo that steroids were added to the league's banned list. But there was no testing. so without any testing, people did it anyway. Um, and there were articles in the mid-90s where players and general managers and executives came out and was like, yeah, it, it steroids, it, it's totally happening. Um, and there was a big home run burst. Uh, 17 players in 1996 hit 40 home runs. Um, the previous record had been eight. <laughs> and so if, you, uh, if anybody was starting to get suspicious that something weird was going on here, uh, that's a pretty good indication. I don't think they were juicing the balls back then. I think they were just juicing themselves. Um, People were as suspicious as they probably should have been. How about that? Pro- I don't know. I mean, these we people were loving it in 1999 when like McGuire was hitting balls over the Green Monster. Like he was, he was at like it was fun. Range. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, people didn't really care in 19 like or late 90s though. Yeah, and and we'll get to when I I would say people like really really started to care. Um, but continuing on the timeline, 1998, uh, a jar of 
androstenedine, uh, I hope I said that right, was found or was, was discovered in Mark McGuire's locker. Um, and this was seen in the footage of Long Gone Summer. He was at a, he was, you know, taking questions in front of his locker and there's just this jar bought right behind him in his locker. Um, but not much really came about it. Um, 2001, baseball implemented its first random drug testing program, but that was only for minor leaguers. Uh, and eventually by 2003, they started testing major leaguers uh, and they found about five to 7% of major leaguers who were tested, tested positively. Um, eventually uh, it got fairly ugly with the Balco scandal. Um, Balco was uh, apparently you know, distributing um, steroids to baseball's biggest stars, including Barry Bonds and Gary Sheffield and Jason Giambi, who all had to testify. Um, and eventually the league started to suspend major leaguers. The first big one was Rafael Palmero in 2005. Um, but right before that Palmero was suspended, uh, the big bombshell hit, which was Jose Canseco's book, where he outed a lot of major leaguers, eventually went, continued on. Um, the Mitchell Report eventually came out, uh, and that was in 2007, uh, and that added an entire list of major leaguers who um, were, I, I, that Mitchell found, uh, George Mitchell found taking steroids or HGH or any sort of performance enhancing drugs. Do you remember uh, the report? Not a, not a ton when I was a kid. I remembered like the bonds, like um, courts and like the court hearings and stuff like that and everything that was going on with Barry, but I don't really remember the Mitchell report itself. I kind of remember the Mitchell report. I kind of remember like them announcing all these people and like Clemens was on there and Pettit was on there. And mm -hmm. I remember that was like a whole thing. Like Eric Gagne was on there, and yeah, obviously, yeah, Cy Young Award winner Eric Gagne. <laughs> Back when a closer could win the Cy Young, I guess. Not a Hall of Famer, Eric Gagne. I well, don't know, man. I might make my case in a second here. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a Um But the big, a bit huge deal was the fact that Barry Bonds was indicted on felony counts of perjury and obstruction of justice when he lied um, during those testimonies about the Balco scandal. Um, eventually he pled no guilty. He actually didn't get um, indicted, but he, he appealed and got off. Um, but I would say when Bonds broke Hank Aaron's record and it was already sort of known that he was on steroids, I would say that's when the peak outrage, I think kind of was there. Cause obviously it was like this big moment. He was the new home run king, but it felt inauthentic to a lot of people. Like 2000, so thought, 2007, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that was the peak of the steroid breach. Because I would say that was the peak of the outrage. Yeah, that was such a huge deal over you know, the validity of Bonds' home run record. So, mm -hmm. I remember that was such a huge moment when he actually did hit that home run. Right. And I remember being like, even when I was like eight, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, better, I better remember this, you know? I, I had a full-on, like, barbershop moment i was getting i was like eight and i was getting like my hair cut and my barber was like to see barry bonds uh the home run king i was like i know he's like do you think he or what do you think about that i'm like i mean eight-year-old me was like i mean he cheated so it's bad and then so and then the guy's like yeah i agree with you essentially so um but then we fast forward um obviously manny ramirez gets 
suspended, gets caught again, and gets suspended again. Um, A-Rod. And it, it's really calmed down, I would say. Certain players get caught for PEDs here and there, obviously. Um, but I would say, like, the outrage towards – I mean, obviously, the steroid era is over. but um, And the outrage is starting to lighten up and letting a few guys kind of squeak through the cracks. Guys that weren't, haven't been, like, you know, totally proven. Like, Yvonne Rodriguez was, I think, in Canseco's book, but he made the, the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Uh, I know Piazza and Bagwell, they've ha both had like plenty of suspicions, but they both made it in without a lot of hitches either. Um, so I guess people are getting lighter on the guys who might have done it, but the guys that we know um, did it, like Clemens and Bonds, they were gaining momentum and then they kind of plateaued. And now it's very, I, I don't know. I don't know about next year's Hall of Fame because it's such a weak class if they'll get even more votes, but. I feel like the people who are going to vote for him have already done so. And the people who aren't, aren't. So, Agreed. no idea on that front. But anyway, so there's a lot of potential solutions. There's a give them their own wing of the, of the Hall of Fame, put an asterisk. Uh, do any of those, like, you know, excite you in any way, shape, or form? Sort of the, like the, the solutions for it? That's what I would do. Give them their own wing? I don't know, own wing, that might be a little over the top, but, like, an asterisk is definitely something that they should do. I mean, this is how do you, pretty simple. How do you like, put an asterisk there? If it's proven, like, hardcore proven steroid person, like Roger Clemens, right? Then you just throw an asterisk there. May, he may have taken steroids and, um, off, off, on, like, the side. And you leave it at that. You know, because it would be, it's glaring when you have an asterisk next to your name on the Hall of Fame plaque. But at the same time, you know, the Hall of Fame is about history and you're also acknowledging the great players of its history. That's what it's there for, right? And not to put Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds there is ridiculous, you know? So mm -hmm. they should be in there, but there should be, you know, there should be acknowledgement of the things they did as well. Because, you know, again, baseball is a historical game. The, the whole point of the Hall of Fame is about history, right? And you got to explain that whole history. And the steroids is a huge part of that history, and they're a huge part uh, within that history. So, yeah, I would definitely put an asterisk there. And I, I think it's a pretty simple solution that people are too crusty and old and stubborn to um, cave in on. So, well, what about players who might have? That's, uh, I mean, like, like here's like, it like Pudge. On the name. What? Like Pudge. Like Pudge Rodriguez. If it's not proven, though, you can't. He was accused by Conseco, but he one didn't. person, yeah. Jose Conseco, who is also a very questionable source in general. That's so, true. So, yeah, no, you don't put like like Pudge is a no, for example, right? Because there's no hard evidence. If there's hard evidence, you throw it on there. If there's not, then you you can't actually. It would be just it would be like disingenuous and just being. You know, like Jeff Bagwell, there's a pretty decent chance he took steroids because of the way his home run numbers went up um, compared to where he was as a younger player. Uh, so, um, but I, I don't think he'll ever – there's not enough evidence there to say, oh, Jeff Bagwell had steroids, right? So, or same with Piazza. Like, there's no evidence Piazza did steroids other than just some people being kind of skeptical, right? Right. So. Yeah. And he was in Canseco's book, too. Well, it's also Jose Canseco. That's also true. <laughs> we, uh, should we start? So what, I, what we wanted, or I guess what I wanted to do 
is sort of assuming that there's, you know, they, the Hall of Fame announces they're getting their own wing. We're going to start with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens because those are the two most obvious ones. And we're going to have them like as the forefront on the, in the, in the steroid era wing or just like have all the panels, all the, all the plaques and, and whatnot, like in the wing. Mm. So who would make the wing is essentially what this is, what we're going to go over with a few of these names. Mm. Um, I was going to start with the, the two stars of Long Gone Summer, Jose, or excuse me, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. But, you know, we, we could start with, we could knock out Jose Canseco right away. What do you think? Jose Canseco. Um, no. Let me read you his career. Okay. Or career accolades. He won the MVP. He won That's the rookie of the year. That matters. He has four silver sluggers. That matters too. Yeah. He's on two World Series teams. That's weird. But and he made six All-Star games. Hmm. He finished, though, with kind of an underwhelming 42.2 B-War. Um, was never a good defender. Oh. And, I mean, his most prominent defensive play was having the ball hit off of his head and bounce over the fence when he was a member of the Texas Rangers. Yes. Um, and if it matters, I mean, Jose Canseco is one of the guys who – very openly admitted to his steroid use. If that is like give some sort of an honesty clause thing. So he finished with 462 home runs, didn't quite get to the 500 mark, was very good for about a decade, I would say. Um, and really hit fairly well for his entire career. He never in his entire career, so 17 seasons, his OPS plus never dipped under 103. He never had a below league average hitting season in 17 years, which is pretty good. That's pretty hard to do. But he also was never like a top. He won the MVP. He was fourth another year, and he was never top 10 ever again. He has a strange career because people just remember all the BS he would say, you know, in yeah. general public. Uh yeah, he, he had a very – but he had, like, an oddly consistent career as well. Like, if you just look at the OPS plus numbers, mm-hmm. led the league in OPS plus one. He did have a decent peak. Like, 1980, led the league in OPS plus, slugging percentage, home runs, and RBI, won the MVP. Like, that's impressive regardless. You yeah. Know, 1988, in an era where it was, like, him and McGuire and not a lot of other power hitters in the league. Like, great, great power hitters in the league. It wasn't like – the 80s were a time for pitching. So, I just yeah point out quickly. Um, he led the league in home runs twice. Uh, I mean, outside of that year, though, he never really had that many super standout seasons. Like the eighty-eight to ninety-one was his full peak, um, and even in the eighty-nine, he got hurt and only played sixty-five games. So, I don't know. He had a. It's just a very strange career. Some of them were marred by injuries. Um, it, that seems to be a theme. Uh, and it's, I don't think it's a, with the steroids thing, I don't think it's a coincidence that he was so good in 1998 at the age of 33, hit 46 home runs and 170, 107 RBIs with Toronto, a team that had a bunch of steroid users. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you have him in? I, I lean toward no, but I mean, now I look at now I look at this closer. Um, there's a pace here, kind of, sort of. 
From 1988 through 1996, his OPS plus was 147, which is Very Hall good. of Fame worthy. Yeah. Um, I, no defense. That's a no crime. defense at all. Is, is is essentially you could just call him a DH. Really, he wasn't a DH, but he is could essentially call him a DH. Um. And I'm pretty sure – did he ever get uh, – yeah, he had a 40-40 season too. 42 home runs and 40 stolen bases in one season. Yeah, he was a heck of a, heck of an athlete, trust me. Um, and, but he never did it. Never did, I mean, if this means anything, he didn't do anything in the playoffs. Absolutely His playoff numbers are really bad. <laughs> they were, like, really awful. He, 84 in, in average. I mean, 184 batting average year, but good. like, come on. The only time he ever had a good postseason really was 1988 ALCS. He destroyed the Red Sox with three home runs and a 1.29 OPS, but never had an OPS um, over nine in a series. Only he only did it twice. It was in Oakland '89 and for the World Series, and then the Red Sox series, and that's it. He was really excellent in the 1989 World Series. Um, and then he was tragic in the 1990 World Series. Um, Tragically bad. I lean no, but because the war is so bad and the defense isn't there. or The war is not – it's, it's underwhelming. Although there – I wouldn't – like if there is like – all right, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens gets in next year. That means, okay, the floodgates are open. If someone's like, all right, Jose Canseco, I think, makes it in, I mean, I wouldn't be, like, outraged. I mean, there's there's a case, I think. I just don't think it's a great one, considering he wasn't really one of the best players in the league for longer than, like, five years. And I don't know. It, it, it's just he had, he had a lot of really good consistency, but he wasn't consistently fan, like phenomenal for more than like his like eight year peak. So I don't. I, know. I wish he played more games. I think this is part of it, right? That's he true. Stayed fairly healthy toward in the like the early stages of his career, and then after that, only played more than a hundred and forty games once in a season after 1991 yeah which is like he went through stretches where he played played 60 games won 11 games 102 96 108 he just was missing a third of the season like every year (laughs) at least very that's a very jose canseco thing to happen yeah you know do you remember obviously we were too young but have you heard of yankees jose canseco because i didn't I don't know much about Yankees' Jose Canseco. Yes, I know this happened. I don't know how – 37 I, games. Yeah, he, he had one at-bat in the playoffs. <laughs> On a, That's his second World Series ring, by the way. <laughs> right, right, right. 2000 right, right. Yankees. He had one at-bat against the Mets in the World Series. So. so he was one of the best players on a World Series team for his first ring and then he was one at bat veteran guy who's just kind of along for the ride for his second world series ring yes um, so it was it was essentially a tracy mcgrady in in san antonio-esque sort of situation but instead mcgrady didn't win the championship that uh, you know, they the, that was the year they actually lost to miami so right uh, yeah tough <laughs> tough 
Um, so I, I lean no, but I wouldn't. I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. Uh, I, if you played more games, I think there's a real case here. But I, no games, no defense. It's hard. It's hard to make the argument after that, even though he comes very close. So because if he plays more games, like if he plays like a hundred more games over his career, he inches closer to that 500 home run mark too. And if I think he gets to 500, then that's a pretty good milestone to hit if you're trying to get into the Hall of Fame. Before we leave, um, I'd like to mention Jose Canseco was on the White Sox for a year. I didn't. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I not not games. more not than he six. was on the Yankees in Rays. I knew he was on the Rays. Uh, I knew he was on the Rays because of the movie Major League or not Major League. Um, the Rookie, when Dennis Quaid is like walking through the Rays like locker room and passing by like the Wade Boggs jersey and the Jose Canseco jersey I'm like oh my god the devil race were so weird back then (laughs) like Fred McGriff jersey too it's like were they all in the devil race at the same time what the Rays were trying to get people in the stands yeah they had Wade Boggs at one point like you know yeah they had a day Nomo at one point yeah they were weird bizarre (laughs) really strange yeah yeah. All right, so who's next? All right, so next, uh, I guess I will go over to uh, the stars of Long Gone Summer and a uh, longtime teammate of Jose Canseco's. I'll start with Mark McGuire. So Mark McGuire retired back in 2001. He didn't do well on the Hall of Fame ballot at all, but he also was on the Hall of Fame ballot really in the midst of all the controversy. Like, he was there with, like, right before, like, the Barry Bonds hearings and after the Balco stuff and, like, the same year as the Mitchell report and a year after the Conseco book came out. And it was just really tough time for Mark McGuire to make the Hall of Fame ballot. Um, just really difficult. It was really a tough scene for him. Um, but over his career, he was an all-star 12 times, won the Rookie of the Year, um, one-time World Series champion, three silver sluggers, has a gold glove, never won the MVP, um, but he because fin- he finished in 1998, the year that he beat out Sammy Sosa in the home run race, he actually finished second behind Sosa in the MVP. Um, he finished fifth the next season. He had a, a, he has a sixth-place finish, a fourth-place finish, a seventh-place finish, and an 11th-place finish. He, he was around a top-10 player for, like, eight years, essentially. Eight um, different years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight different years because there's a little bit of there's there's some there's some valleys there. He got hurt in 1993. He only played 27 games, and then he only played 47 in 1994. I mean, he was really struggling with the injuries there. Um, And then he turned it on and was amazing for one more year with Oakland, and then got traded eventually to St. Louis. Um. And here, I didn't realize this, but they, they went over this in Long Gone Summer that a lot of people thought that he was going to be a rental for St. Louis and that he was going to go to like the Angels in, uh, during the next offseason because he was on a one year deal and he always talked about going back. He, was, he always played, he grew up in California. He played most of his career in California. And people thought he was going to go back to California. But he just huh. had such a, it, but it was such a good year with, or it was like a, what was it, a 1,095 OPS his first year on the, on the Cardinals. Um, and he had 24 home runs in 51 games. So he was just so good there that he just stayed. Um, 
and then hit 70 or hit 60, 70 home runs the next year. Um, uh, for McGuire, at least he has a gold glove defensively, I suppose. The defense kind of left him after, I mean, he, he only played first base. It wasn't like he was like a disaster in the outfield or anything like that. He just wasn't, you know, couldn't do much with him on defense. Um, postseason wise, uh, a little better than Canseco, but still not very good. Um, but you know, he did finish with 583 home runs, which is pretty remarkable, even with the steroid use. So Koki, just off the top of your head, if you like, if I told you like last week, is Mark McGuire a hall of famer? What would you say? Uh, he should be right. I think this is pretty much a slam dunk for me. Yeah. He hit 70 home runs in a season and it's 65 the next year. That's crazy. Um, he led the league in OPS twice and OPS plus four times. He, uh, besides, he sh- probably should have won the MVP at some point in, in his career. I mean, he was that good. Um, here's a stretch of McGuire's career from 96 to 99. He had 52 home runs, 58 home runs, 70 home runs, and 65 home runs. That's crazy. Um, and I mean, he's one of the greatest sluggers we've ever seen in our game. And I, I, I think this is, he's easily a Hall of Famer, um, in normal circumstances, I think. You know, gone base, hit for power, peaked as much as any power hitter maybe in the history of the game. And, uh, yeah, this is kind of a slam dunk for me. I'm not going to lie. His career OPS is 982. That's crazy. That's it. It's over. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it. His slugging percentage for his career is 588. Hmm. That's it. That, that, that's, that's, that's also crazy. That's it. No. It's over. Now he, he's, he's got to be in the front line of like the, the steroid wing of the hall of fame. You have like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in like the forefront. And then you can have like McGuire and someone else like right behind him. Uh, so then I guess we got to go to Sammy Sosa who won the MVP back in 1998 came oh so i mean he broke the home run record but unfortunately he did it in the exact same season somebody else did and hit more home runs um he held the home run record for i don't, I don't know a couple games i guess so <laughs> he was the all-time leader in home runs in a single season for like a couple games there um 66 home runs in 98 63 in 99 50 in 2000, 64 in 2001, 49 in 2002. As uh, one MVP, he seven-time All-Star, six Silver Sluggers, uh, finished with a B-War of 58.6, career OPS plus of 128, which isn't as high as I thought. Um, stole a lot of bases when, when he was younger. Uh, he has a 32 stolen base season, a 36 stolen base season, a 34 stolen base season. Um, on two occasions, he hit 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and was a top 10 MVP vote getter for one, two, three, four, five, six years in a row. Well, it's because he's when he started taking steroids, his numbers went up. And the cork. He also has the, the the issue not only of the steroids but of the corked bat. No, oh, they, they found that's a stupid. To me, I always looked at it as like the stupid add-on to his career. Like you also did this. Like you were just a not a bright fella. You know, uh, and he wasn't a bright fella. Let's 
like it, it just it didn't he didn't need to i mean he was already on the steroids he was already hitting monster home runs and it just yeah yeah found out about the cork bat in 2003 so again it's like it, you can make the arguments that like okay he you know if you're gonna put him in with all the other steroid guys what what about the like like actually changing your tools to like make the ball go farther so that's like another little tick um yeah uh, and yeah he had the super peak obviously uh the, the home run battle he had with mcguire the famous home run battle of mcguire he has an mvp but i'm looking at the numbers i don't know he probably didn't deserve that mvp now i'm looking compared to mcguire's numbers at least um, that season was the cubs made the playoffs the cardinals didn't so there no. you go that, that that was a very that thing, you know? We could talk about this on another podcast about how it's just a dumb argument with MVPs, but whatever. Uh, um, but I don't think Sosa's a Hall of Famer. And the reason uh, the defense would be a big part of it, and another part of it would just be like, I know this is a – this is like – this wing would be for like the steroid people, right? But the fact that his career just got like so much, so so much better the moment he started taking steroids is kind of telling for me. But I don't know. Like McGuire and like McGuire had like another life before. Like he was a skinnier player who still hit forty nine home runs as a rookie, and he was still doing in one World Series in Oakland. Sosa didn't. To, I mean, he bounced around a little bit when he was younger. Um, was it was in a couple? I think he was in a horrendous trade, if I can remember correctly. Um, let me find his transactions. Uh, really quick, yeah. So he was traded by the Rangers to the White Sox for Harold Baines um, back in 1989. Um, Strange trade. It's a it's a weird trade. I mean, Baines, I guess, was was in his prime, um, and was you know still good, but I, I suppose it's not as much of a disaster trade as I remember. I guess Harold Baines was still in his prime. Hall of Famer Harold Baines um, yeah. was uh, <laughs> was in his prime. Um, I've forgotten that Sosa spent potentially three years on the White Sox uh, before then going to the Cubs. But yeah, he had this like the the year the career he had before the steroid version of the career he had. He still had some good years, but there's an obvious just balloon of just stuff that happens with him. Here's the first uh, five years of Sammy Sosa's career with Texas uh, and both Chicago teams. Um, he averaged out at 16 home runs, 51 RBI. 253 batting errors, 300 on-base percentage, and a 100 OPS plus. A league average player. And then his first All-Star season at the age of 26. Um, from then on, which is probably around when he started dabbling with the steroids, from then on until 2004, which is really the end of his peak, um, he hit 479 home runs in that nine-year span, for, averaged 48 home runs a year, had an OPS plus career uh, in that stretch OPS plus of 144 so and he didn't gradually get worse when his peak ended I mean he fell off a cliff essentially in 2005 he fell off a cliff he had 14 home runs in 102 games not great and then he took a year off 
they showed up on the Rangers in 2007, which I remember um, as a young kid. <laughs> Sammy Sosa on the Rangers. It was okay, actually. He had 21 home runs. Yeah, he was all right then. Yeah. <laughs> Not a great OPS, but, you know. I remember fine. him trying to bunt once, and it went into the outfield, and that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Slamming Sammy. Sammy Sosa. Yes. It's all about the Rangers, Sammy Sosa. But, well, he, I mean, he started his career on the Rangers. He had ended on the Rangers. I, I lean no. I, I've never really considered him a Hall of Famer. Um, like, growing – like, when I was, like, really young, I, I guess he was, like, a, still kind of a big star. But I was still not really totally into, like, the idea of sports yet when he was last, like, a great season. Um, and just looking at the numbers now, I mean, they're awesome. And But his best – his best argument is that he hit 609 home runs. Because, um, like, the OPS plus isn't quite good enough for a player who didn't play great defense. The stolen bases is also another uh, another decent one. I, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm a soft no, I think. I think I'm a, I'm, I'm a leaner on the no, but I'm not – again, if, if he and Canseco both get in, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. There, there are worse Hall of Famers than, than both of them. I agree. Um, the cork bat, the cork bat, kind of is iffy. Like I, I get that we're talking about players who did cheat, but it's also like okay, but he cheated in like multiple ways to give himself multiple advantages. Um, I don't know how many people had corked bats back in the like early two thousands, but that just seems like such an add on that's kind of that sours it a little bit for me too. I totally agree. All right, I think it's time to to move on to the uh, the Eric Gagne case. Mm. let's go to a pitcher. we haven't talked about a pitcher yet let's go to a, a pitcher who used steroids was in the mitchell report um you know was a great closer for the dodgers i remember he came into the game welcome to the jungle would blast um people would get like people would go nuts he won the cy young award um <laughs> i'm pretty sh- i can't even imagine a reliever winning the cy young award like Zach like Britton today, almost did it. Remember that Zach Britton almost did it, but you have to have like that good of a season. He was pretty uh, darn good. I mean, one point two ERA, fifty five saves, ERA plus of three hundred thirty seven. His FIP was zero point eight six, so he was actually better than his ERA indicated, which is crazy. His WHIP was zero point six nine two, which is nuts. His only issue was uh, he was really great for like three years. Three years, and that's about it. Yeah, and then he only pitched for ten years, and I, it, it, I think the thing was like he was one of the first like flamethrowers on the bullpen. Um, but he put so much effort into all of his pitches that he just blew out his elbow eventually. Just kind of he couldn't last very long i mean if he so finished with an 11 you're not factoring seven. in brewers eric gagne is that what you're telling me uh the 544 era eric gagne on the brewers yeah what oh, about red sox eric gagne he was horrible he, <laughs> he was, was horrible. horrible i remember it i remember being excited that the red sox got eric gagne and then he sucked you know very good dodgers career um I, i've been to dodger games where he's like back to throughout the first pitch and people like, you know, light up and, and, you know, people get really pumped up that he's there. Um, 
So I guess, I guess I'll have that. He has his, he has his Cy Young, but this is pretty, this is pretty open and shut. He was darn good um, on Rangers at 2.16 ERA, 33 and a third innings. I will say that. That was the same year he was on the Red Sox. Yeah, and then he got traded to the Red Sox. He just horrible. His FIP was 3.03 on the Red Sox in his defense. Just saying. Yeah, I guess he just. Fuck. I want to stick with another pitcher here because I, I I am amazed at how high Andy Pettit's WAR is. Uh, I suppose he, I mean he did pitch eighteen years, but his WAR is sixty. I mean that's higher than Sammy Sosa's. And um, I, I you know. He hasn't been voted. I don't think he's in regardless because I think that's – I think the main reason he's not doing well in the, the Hall of Fame ballots is because he just doesn't – he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm just kind of curious why his war is so high. You um, pitched a lot of innings. I guess that's really it. Just, Let me count. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count here the number of 200 inning-plus uh, seasons he had. Three, four, yeah. While you do that, career stats um, – 385 RA, 1351, 1.351 whip, three all stars. That's not I mean, all stars. It's, it's three. For it's 18 only half years. A season. I mean, all stars are whatever, you know. I know, but like usually you have more all stars than you deserve, not like three, you know? Especially being on the Yankees. Uh, maybe, maybe people thought he was, maybe people underrated him back then. I don't, I don't know. I guess, and it, it, you'd have to see. Maybe he got off the slow start. I, I don't, I don't know exactly what was going on there. He probably deserved a couple more, but I mean, he's current. Yeah. But let, let's face yeah. it here: his current ERA is three point eight five. But he pitched all those postseason innings, Koki. He has over three thousand postseason innings. That's that is impressive. That matters, I think, but not. That much. It doesn't matter. Wait, 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 not, not, wait, hold on. Not 3,000. Not 3,000. Sorry. 3,000. Uh, I was about to say. He, he pitched over 3,000 regular season. Total innings. innings. No, you know, playoffs, it's uh, just under 300. So, yeah, 276. I was looking at the wrong thing. Still a lot of postseason innings, but again, you know, a 381 postseason year rate, which is good for the postseason you're playing against the best in baseball. Um, so, I, that definitely helps him out. Um, never won the Cy Young, was top five a handful of times, four times, top five, four times. Um, he didn't really on leave. A decent note. I think yeah. that's what helps people remember him. Like that helps people remember him in a fonder light is because like in age 41 in 2013, he, he won 11. I'm not, I, yeah. Pretend I didn't say that. I mean, he had a 3.7. Oh, uh, are you going to make the big argument that he should be a Hall of Famer because he won 256 games? <laughs> no, 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 no. I almost said I almost used his win total as part of the argument, and I well, want to smack myself now. But he threw 185 innings at 3.74 ERA, 3.7 FIP at age 41, which is which is darn good. Regardless, I think he's in because he won 20 games twice. Uh, moving on uh, here on the podcast, uh, I am soloing the podcast now. Uh, Cookie Riley has taken over this podcast. Well, I'm going to make the argument here for Roger Clemens. Um, 
You know, he had a lot of he, – he was really good. Next. <laughs> All right, let's move on from Pettit. I think we're both no's. Um, impressive, but he was, like, sustained being solid for that long. But he was – to be a Hall of Famer, I think you have to be, the like, close to the best at something. I just never felt like he was the best, really, at anything. Granted, Mike Messina's in. I think Pettit's got about as good of a – as a case as Mike Messina. So I disagree with that. Messina's a little better than Pettit. Yeah, a little bit better of a peak, but I think I'll, I, I don't know. I, I see the, the cases as kind of similar. Um, all right, let's go back to hitters. Let's go back to a big hitter. Let's go with uh, let's go with Jason Giambi. Mm. Uh, I think this is open and shut, but might as well. He he was in the Balco report. Let's go with the the, the two Balco guys. Let's go with Giambi and Sheffield. We'll start with Giambi. Okay. Um, didn't play defense ever. He was essentially. He, he, I mean, he played a little bit of outfields early in his career, but essentially uh, he was a DH pretty young and he never was not a DH. Uh, even when he was on a National League team, which is still amazing to me that he played multiple seasons on a National League team. <laughs> um, the Rockies had him for three <laughs> half years, um, which is remarkable because he can't play defense. So he was just a flat out pinch hitter for the Rockies um, who could do nothing else remarkable to me but anyway he won an mvp which is pretty good uh, he, he was on oakland athletics when he won the mvp back in 2000 that year he had an ops plus of 187 he hit 43 home runs uh led the league in walks the league's on led the league on base percentage um and was second place in the mvp vote the very next year with the a's um then his first year on the yankees he was fifth and never finished in the top 10 again uh i would you know Giambi's career wars, 50 and a half. Career OPS plus 139. Um, the offensive numbers are, are kind of like borderline what you want for a Hall of Famer. Um, but the fact that he didn't play defense in his peak was like from 99 to 2006, he was awesome. And then it just, that was kind of, he had another good year on the Yankees in 08, but that was, that, that was kind of it. So, I don't know. What do you think? The Giambi case is that for nine seasons, he had a 155 OPS plus. That's pretty good. That was his job, the DH. Um, First base DH type. But, like, he did his job for nine seasons at, like, an elite level. Like, what you want from a Hall of Famer. If he does really for, like, four more years, he's probably in for me. But, yeah, it's a no right now. You know, because really? those are like Ortiz, Edgar Martinez numbers pretty much for that nine-year stretch. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, like, when you when you take a step back, he, he is the third best of those three um, DHs. Um, his postseason numbers are much better than I thought. He's pretty good. He's pretty dang good in the postseason. Career 9-11 OPS. Uh, in 45 postseason games. Never won the World Series. Uh, he was off the Yankees uh, just before the 2009 season, unfortunately for him. Five All-Stars. I think he's... I wouldn't say he's not a borderline. Uh, I, I, would, I would say he's probably on the borderline. I, 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 I have him off, yeah. but he's on the borderline, yeah. 
Um, I, I think he's like a like a half step behind Sosa and Canseco on my like ladder, I guess. But I don't know. This this is a really good peak, a really impressive peak, and for a guy to, who doesn't play defense to win the MVP and to be like a hair away from winning it a second time is really impressive. Um, so I think we're uh, so we're yeah we're both nose on Giambi, but like very close nose, I guess. Yep. So Sheffield, the Sheffield thing. Just for you listeners, um, I, right now on my Zoom, I'm looking at a, a, a blank white paper, not paper, a blank white ceiling, um, and it's and you know it, it's hard to it's hard to podcast. Yes, I'm keeping the mic close now. To it's hard to podcast when I can't see who I'm podcasting with. All right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm fixing the situation here. It's just I'm trying to keep the mic fairly close to me. I don't know because the mic of my is better than the mic of my computer. Um, well, I don't know. It's you know when the podcast started, I could see him fine and hear him fine, and then and then all of a sudden I, I check back over and it's just just whiteness. I don't know why. Mm. There you go. I didn't want to see your face, so I, I put the phone away. I I mean I don't blame you. you know, this That's is why I wear a mask in public, not because of a pandemic, just just because of my face. Yeah, I I would say you do that. You should do that after the pandemic is over too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um Gary Sheffield. Um Koki, if Gary Sheffield made the hall, first question, what hat would he pick? <laughs> he played 558 games for the Marlins, 526 games for the Dodgers, 294 games for the Brewers, 347 games for the Yankees, 290 games for the Braves, for 214 games for the Padres, 247 games for the Tigers, and 100 games for the New York Mets. Um, <laughs> I guess it's the Marlins. I but... think it's the Marlins, right? Yeah, because he won the World Series there. That's um, that. That would be the biggest. That would be the best case, and he played the most games there. Yeah, in the most seasons. Yeah. So I yeah. think that works, but it's it's still kind of funny. Um, <laughs> Gary Sheffield played twenty two years, which is insane. Um, and was pretty good essentially the entire time um he had a, a down year when he was 22 years old for the brewers went to the padres and immediately became an all-star and with the bat at least his ops plus did not dip below 120 until 2006 yeah 2006 um, in that time, he was third place MVP, sixth place MVP, ninth place, third place, second place, eighth place, um, all over the place. Led the league in several categories, depending on the year. Uh, once he led the league on base percentage, led the year at OPS. That same year, led the league in batting average one year, led the, led the league in total bases one year. Um, he was the best hitter on a World Series winning team um, with the Marlins. Um, in that during the postseason for his career, uh, not bad numbers. Um, again, it's, you know, with postseasons, you are facing the best pitching, probably face all season. So uh, his OPS is around 799, um, which isn't ideal, but it's, you know, it's not terrible. 
Um, but where he was really great was in the World Series with the Marlins. Um, that series against Cleveland, his OPS was 943. Um, draw, drew a lot of walks. Um, and eventually he, he finished 7 for 24 with 8 walks. So um, pretty good postseason production when it mattered the most. Uh, finished nine All-Stars, five Silver Sluggers, won the batting title, and a career war of 60.5 and over 500 home runs. He, he, he reached that plateau. I always thought he was. I, I, always, I always thought he was a Hall of Famer. Um, just because he was that good for that long. It's not like he was consistently like good but not great. Like He was pretty consistently awesome for, for a really long time. Gary's always been my guy when it comes to voting for him for the Hall of Fame. So he he was on my ballot this past year and he'll be on my ballot next year as well because I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. From uh, 1994 to 2004, 11 seasons. OPS yeah. plus 156. Hmm. That could be someone's like career and you would like Hmm, is this guy a Hall of Famer or, or, or not? We could, we could like, we could at least talk about it. Like, if the guy just retired after 11 years and that was the numbers, it, OPS of 980. Yeah. But that was just, that was his peak. And there was still 11 other seasons in which he was pretty good. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think he definitely is because I think he's just that good for that long. And I know I kind of made the argument earlier, it was like the best at something and there's a few years where he was probably the best or at least one of the top three best hitters in the league for like probably on three different occasions yeah he kind of got lost in the shuffle though with all the other like bigger names who were doing um like home run derby chases and stuff yeah. like that so the Bonds and the sosas and the mcguires of the world they kind of got lost in that shuffle and the a-rod came up like he was just banging out awesome seasons left right and center while all those guys were doing their their thing too so when people were hitting like herculean like 70 home run seasons sheffield was 34 home runs 43 home runs 36 home runs 39 home runs 36 home runs 34 home i mean he was just he never hit 60 but he was just consistently hitting like up mid 30s to early 40s in, in posting up these 140 to 150 OPS plus seasons, you know, like he got on base. Yeah. Very consistently. Um, led the league in OBP in 96, for example. Uh, so, so yeah, he's, I mean, to me, he's definitely a Hall of Famer, um, but he'll probably never get in because of uh, people. <laughs> You know. I, I think he's overlooked for several reasons with the steroids. I mean, I think, you know, if Bonds gets in, then if ever, then that's just – I mean, it's, it's in the same scandal, I mean, essentially. And I don't know how truthful you, you think this is, um, but I believe that Sheffield said he didn't ever knowingly take the steroids. He, he, I think he used a cream um, that he thought was going to help his muscle recovery, and it did but for, for the wrong reasons. Um, but, I mean, he has the same, like, the same guy who gave him those, that cream was the same guy who gave Barry Bonds all of his steroids. So, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe in that sense. But 
Yeah. Uh, he, cl- he, he claims negligence, but I don't know. I don't know if that'll help him in the end. I, I say yes if, if there's a, the Hall of Fame sector of, uh, of the steroid users. Yeah. Do you, what do you think? Do we should do Barry Bonds next? I, I, you know, it's, it's really close. <laughs> I don't know, man. He only, he only, uh, you know, he only, you know, is the all-time home run leader, you know. That, he has five, oh, he has 700, over 700 home runs and 500 stolen bases. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get how that's possible. <laughs> um, it's just, it doesn't seem physically possible, but it is. Um, what about Roger Clemens? Uh, you know, Cy Young's are a bit overrated. The seven-time Cy Young award winner. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we we can. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have little snippets on Bonds and Clemens whenever we talk about baseball Hall of Fames, like when forever. But yeah, so let's not talk about them. Move, let's move on. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's one it's Juan Gonzalez time. Really? Are we really? Are we really doing this? <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> Juan Gonzalez. Juan Gonzalez won the MVP twice. Fun fact. He won it twice. Yes. I, I, I'm amazed because I had no idea he won it twice. <laughs> it's so weird. Isn't that weird? It's bizarre. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. Um, he, he had a really good peak. He had a very, very good peak. Did you know he was uh, in the Indians for a game? I did not know this. One game. He spent one game on the Indians. On 05. Actually, no. He made he, on 2001. He was on the Indians for 140 games, though. So that that, that kind of ruins that. But 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 he came back. For he came one back game and played and one game. That's great. And he got one at and didn't get a hit. <laughs> so he won the MVP in 1996 and in 1998. That's so weird. Um, I want to I want to go. I want to take a trip back down and let memory land. Because 1998 was a, a really great season for for baseball and a lot of it was like the home run chase um and ken griffey jr was in that home run chase too um but he didn't win the mvp they gave it to juan gonzalez so gonzalez won your guy nomar garcia para was second then it was jeter griffey mo vaughn manny ramirez that's weird nomar um, what how, didn't, is that the year nomar hit like 380 he hit 323 okay never mind no uh, Griffey had the most home runs in the American League with 56. Um, but Gonzalez did lead the way as far as OPS among, like, the guys who finished in the top six. Um, Albert Bell actually had a higher OPS and higher war than Juan Gonzalez <laughs> did. Uh, but I guess they didn't really look at that. I mean, guys with high, players with higher wars than Juan Gonzalez that year. Nomar, Jeter, Ken Griffey. Mo Vaughn, Manny Ramirez, Bernie Williams, Albert Bell, A Rod, Pudge, Roger Clemens, Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill? Rafael Palmero, uh, Carlos Delgado, Pedro. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, this is stupid. This yeah, is just like no. the writers being stupid. He did. He did. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have much else. I don't have much else to say. Uh, Juan Alex, he led the league in RBIs in 1998. That was it. That's like it. <laughs> that is the reason he won. Um, stupid. Like, this is a really stupid 
Like, why are we spending time on this guy? Because <laughs> I'm just – I'm amazed he won two MVPs. He hit a lot of home runs, and he won two MVPs, and that's about it. Oh, my God. Hold on. Wait. We, we have to talk about 1996 for a quick second, just for a, a minute. Okay. He finished with a 3.8 war and won the MVP. <laughs> this is when A-Rod, didn't know what war was. Yeah. Or- A- I know, but A-Rod finished with a 9.4 war and didn't win. 9.4. And Ken Griffey had a 9.7 and finished fourth. <laughs> and it wasn't even like – it was totally an RBIs thing because Juan Gonzalez had 144 RBIs, but, like, A-Rod hit 358. <laughs> well, batting average doesn't matter that much either, though. So what was, like, his – uh, Griffey hit the- more home runs. So, like, what was his OPS or his OPS plus? His OPS was uh, 1,011, really good, but not as good as A-Rod or Griffey or Albert Bell. Albert Bell was good. He was very good. Yeah. Mark McGuire kind of got snubbed a little bit. He finished seventh, and his war was 6.4, and his OPS was over 1,100. Why did Warren Gonzalez win the MVP? I don't understand this. How he won twice is beyond me. How he won once is beyond me. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on. From Juan hey, but Juan Gonzalez hit 434 career home runs, and he had 904 That's... career OPS, and 130 no, really? career OPS plus. That's actually really, really good crazy. career. Really, really good career. Um, and his peak was awesome. But it wasn't. I don't, I don't know if it was long enough and great enough. Because um, his, his slugging did fluctuate, too. It wasn't like every year he had like a 600 of like slugging. He didn't really get on base that much. No, his OPP was pretty, pretty low for his batting average. Yeah. You know he was on Detroit? I did not know that. I, I didn't know that. And he, he was on, yeah. He was, was, on oh, he was good, but not that good. He was on the Royals, too, for 33 games. That's amazing. But he'll he'll just disappear for years too. It's just like, oh wow, this guy won the M- or this guy was an MVP candidate and had an OPS plus of one sixty nine. Okay, the next year he's gonna have a one oh five OPS plus. He got hurt. Yeah, yeah I know. Season, but yeah. still, in a couple injury seasons, but like I don't when know. he was very, healthy, very, he raked. Very like, very good career. He could rake. He's in the Hall of Very Good. Yeah, like first definitely. ballot Hall of Very Good guy. You know so. We should move. We're talking way too much about Juan Gonzalez. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, now I, I'm going to kind of bunch Manny and uh, and A Rod together in a little in a second, but I want there's one more guy I want to talk to you about before, and that's Rafael Palmero. Ooh, Palmero is an interesting case. He was the first like big star to get like suspended for using steroids back in 2005. Um, never won the MVP, but Finished with a 71.9 career war, mm. which is ridiculous, um, which is really, really good. Finished with 569 career home runs, OPS plus of 132. Uh, only four All-Stars, but again, All-Stars could be finicky. Only two Silver Sluggers, but again, he was playing mostly like first base in a very hard-hitting league. Uh, and he had three gold gloves, which I, I, I didn't know that. Um, mm. Yeah, he was a good defender. Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, didn't play much in the postseason. 
um, was not great, but I mean, not not damn like damning, but just wasn't on very good teams. Yeah, the numbers are there. Numbers wise, it's definitely in. Um, you think so? Years. We never had. They never led the league in a in a like major. I'm talking career. total numbers. I'm talking total. Okay. If you look at just the career number. Okay. Career wise, I. Career eighty five OPS is there. great. Mm. It isn't great. It's not. It's okay. That's true. Uh, OPS plus is more impressive though. One thirty two. Um, that's for career. But he never had a season that was like, oh, Rafael Palmeiro, so great. There was never a moment in time where people were like, oh, you know who's like a Hall of Famer? Rafael Palmeiro, you know? He never finished beyond fifth in MVP votes either. So he was never seen as like a top the best player. player in the league, essentially. <laughs> really ever. Yeah, Maybe that also – him. Huh? I'm kind of torn on him as a Hall of Famer because, like, the total numbers are there. Over the war is really good. Runs. The war, the war is really good. Yeah, the war, as you mentioned, the career OPS plus, as you mentioned, um, never hit 50 home runs in a season, but I don't, that, I don't think that means that much. Um, but, yeah, he did finish top 10 in the MVP voting three times. It's not great. Which I think that means something that's not bad either. I don't know, it was like a tough era in baseball to crack that top five or top ten. That's true, but it's, but it's also – with there being two MVPs and, you know, it's not like you – it's also like, you know, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, they were all – and, you know, eventually Griffey were all in the National League. Um, yeah, I think baseball in general had a ton of talent, though. Like, the AL, you still had, like – And I still had A-Rod. A-Rod, you still had – Juan Gonzalez. You still had, like, Peak Nomar, Juan Gonzalez, as we mentioned, Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez. I mean, we're that's kind of just the surface of it, too, you know? So, I think there's a – there's a Juan Gonzalez – there's a – there's a Rafael Palmero case for sure, especially with the three gold gloves. I think that's an interesting little nugget. That's, that's an interesting twist. Because at least he was a decent defender. You know, maybe he wasn't gold glove worthy in all those years because, you know, you have to hit in order to win the gold glove. Uh, unless you're Tucker Barnhart. Um, uh, so. I'm, I mean, I'm I pretty... lean no, because there was never, he never had a peak really, but you could, I'm gonna you could also argue the... that like hitting 47 home runs and 148 RBI you know, finishing fifth in the MVP voting at age 34 is a peak year. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put him in the Canseco camp. Of, I think uh, a little, it might be a little ahead of Canseco, though. More home runs. Canseco's peak might have been a little better. But overall, I mean, overall, yeah. overall, Palmero's career is better. Yeah. Um, I think I'm taking Palmero slightly out of Canseco. On a, I'm still putting him in that class, though. Of the, I, I, I lean no, but if they get in, they get in, and I'm like, you know, that's fine. This, this, yeah. Mm. Oh, this is tough. This is a tough. It's close. This is a weird career. Yeah. Kind right. of a stable one, but it is strange. Anyway, let's go to let's go to the let's go to the recent ones. We got like two more. Okay. Uh, it, I mean, I could mention A Rod. No, don't I guess. even mention him. This is stupid. Like, come on. 
Um, yeah, there's no point. Three MVPs, 14 All-Stars, 10 Silver Sluggers, and a career war of 117.5. That's a yes. Oh, come on. This is stupid. Let's move on. Okay. And two gold gloves. In the many um, cases, in the many cases, the slam dunk too. Like, he's obviously a Hall of Famer, right? The many cases, I, it's, I think it's also a slam dunk. It, war was not as high. Or it's still pretty good. 69.3 still really good. The OPS Plus, though, is where you just, like, 154 OPS Plus for a career that lasted 19 years. That's some Jimmy Fox. And a 996 OPS for a career that lasts 19 years. Um, yeah. And, no, it's it's not close. He's just, he's in. It's almost in so far. <laughs> Never won the MVP, but was top 10. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Mm. So, uh, led the league in RBIs once, led the league in home runs once, led the league in batting average once, led the league in on base percentage three times, led the league in slugging three times, led the league in OPS three times, led the league in OPS plus once. Um, yeah, it's just it's too much. Way too much there. It, and then like, again, he's a slam dunk. Man, he's a slam dunk. We watched him play. Like when you watched him, you're yeah. like, oh, you're watching a Hall of Famer. You know? I watched him in Manny Wood. Manny Wood. I watched Manny him. Wood. He was my favorite player growing up. His postseason numbers are remarkable too. Yeah, really good postseason. Underrated postseason player. No one really nine thirty-seven OPS in the postseason in yeah. hundred eleven games. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. 29 home runs. That's a lot of home runs. In 111 season. games. That's basically like most, that's basically a whole season, almost a whole season. All right. This is against like postseason pitchers. Like, like. Yeah, he yeah. raked against everybody. He was, yeah. you know, it didn't matter who you were. He raked because yeah. he was Manny. He was like, he was a genius as a hitter. You know, he. If you want One of the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah. If you want to get into like, you know, just like the eye, like the eye test for base for the Hall of Fame in baseball, which I mean, there isn't much of one because it's baseball. But if you want to get into the eye test with Manny, he passes it with more than just flying colors. He passes it as someone who would be like in an exclusive group of the best Hall of Famers, you know? Yeah. Uh, just given how smart of a hitter he was, how ahead of the game he was. Um, in terms of all the hitting mechanics you need. Like, he probably didn't need steroids, but he did it anyway because he was also Manny being Manny, but, you know, it happened. So, yeah, water to the bridge. Yeah, pretty obvious. Um, World Series MVP, too. And now he's, he's, he's making a comeback. 48 years old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wasn't there, there, there was news fairly recently that was trying to make a comeback, I thought. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's essentially all the names on there. There's a oh wait, hold on, we missed one. We got to talk about Brett Boone real quick. <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, so Alex about- left the podcast. I am. I have now taken over again. Uh, so today's podcast, we're, we're talking about Hideki Matsui's Hall of Fame uh, probability. What about Miguel Tejada? <laughs> Miguel Tejada, who won the MVP, by the way. While you laugh, oh. a higher career war than Juan Gonzalez. Really? Yeah, that's forty-seven. A, that's, a, that's actually impressive. He's a forty-seven war. Oh my goodness! And he won the MVP back in two thousand two. I did. I didn't know he. Did, I do know he did win the MVP. 
Yeah, I did know that. And uh, I think he was. Uh, I the... do know he won the MVP. That's that's bad English. I apologize to everybody out there. <laughs> he's a he's a Mitchell Report guy. Hmm. Also, yeah, he won the MVP over A Rod, who probably should have won the MVP. I'd like to look over the Mitchell Report and see who like like the crappy players who are on the Mitchell Report. You know, that'd be fun. There's some. Uh, so I actually I pulled up the Mitchell Report actually just to give you. I, I could give you some names. Do you give me the bad names? I want the bad players. I don't want any good players. I'll give you like middling players. No, bad. Uh, if you can find them, bad players. Okay, I'll start with Jeremy Giambi. That doesn't surprise me. Mediocre Benito Santiago. Benito Santiago. <laughs> um, Mike Bell. Okay. Kevin Brown. And he won the. Kevin Brown was a great player at one point. It's true. No, I'm just naming names, like like some decent names. Kevin Brown was a very good player. Yeah. Actually, we might be able to talk about him. You know what? Let's talk about Kevin Brown for a quick sec. Uh, no, come on. His war was 67.8. He was good for like two years. I don't get why his war is that high. I don't know. He pitched a lot of innings. That's probably why. That's uh, – he, he does have, like, led the league in, in a lot of different things, like, sprinkled all over the place. And his career FIP's 333. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, 3.28 career ERA. Yeah, he was a good player. Good. That's very good. He was a very good player, not a Hall of Famer. Definitely not. Led the league in ERA a couple of times. No, you're not biting? No, I'm not biting. Are you biting? Um... I mean, I haven't really – I've never thought of Kevin Brown as a Hall of Famer, you know? No one ever else – no one else thought of Kevin Brown as a Hall of Famer. There's a reason for that. Uh, all right, let's go back to the list here. Um, let's go with Jack Cust. <laughs> I did not uh, know Jack Cust was on the Mitch Report. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jack Cust is on there. Um, Lenny Dykstra. So checks out. Uh, Jerry Hairston Jr. Oh, I kind of remember that. Yeah, that makes uh -huh. sense. Glenn Allen Hill. Todd Hunley. Oh, okay. David Justice. Yeah. Chuck Knobloch. Knobloch. Yeah. Uh, Paula Duca. Oh. His career this went one fast. Yeah, it did. Uh, this one makes no sense. Nook Logan. Remember who that is? Yeah, I vaguely remember who Nook Logan is, yes. Uh, Todd Pratt. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Brian Roberts. Shame. Wait, no. Like, Orioles Brian Roberts? Yeah. What? In an interview with the Baltimore Sun, Roberts admitted once to using steroids once during 2003. He called wow. it a terrible decision. And wow. said so he never, he never used it again, but he did use them in two thousand three. That's that's wild. Direct your world for a sec. That, I did not know that. Did you know that? Uh, I thought there were rumors with him, but I guess I guess he did admit Brian to Roberts doing it. Only hit singles. I know. It was really that's really weird. Yeah, some of these guys. A lot of it's for recovery too. No, like Mike, from Mike Roberts must have been very mad at him. Probably. <laughs> Mo Vaughn. That was a deep Cape League reference right there. Mo Vaughn. Yeah, Mo, Mo Vaughn. Vaughn was very good. Mo Vaughn, not a Hall of Famer, though. 
No. Rondell White. Do you remember him? Yeah. Uh, Greg Zahn. The, uh, the uh, former Blue Jays catcher. Yes. Um, these are guys who were connected to a like, certain pharmacy. And some of them were outed by, like, Kaseko and such. Um, Rick Ankeel. Uh, he received shipments of HGH. Huh. Uh, David Bell. Uh, he received a bunch of shipments of uh, HCH or HCG. Uh, Paul, Paul Bird. Mm. Jay Gibbons. Jay Gibbons. Troy Gloss. Received testosterone. Okay. Um, That's your guy. I know. He received it in 2003 and 2004 after they won the World Series, though. So. Okay. Uh, Jose Guillen. Huh. Uh, Gary Matthews Jr. Wow, I know that one. Received shipment of HGH in 04. That's, your also, that's also your guy. Also my guy. Yeah. So is Scott Schoenweiss, who received it in 2003 <laughs> and 2004. Scott Schoenweiss. Matt Williams. Okay. Who, uh, now is a, a, a mascot, big head Matt Williams running around Chase Field now. Yeah. Uh, he received uh, HGH, testosterone, and a bunch of stuff. Apparently a bunch of stuff. D-backs legend Matt Williams. Uh, Wally Joyner. Isn't there? Really? Oh, okay. Deep cut. How many, how many more people are on here? These, I, uh, I mean, there's people, a lot more people. I think everyone is tuned out at this point. The poor people. Huh? I think the I think the audience is tuned out at this point. If they want to listen, they've been listening. <laughs> Alex, but anyway, that, that, those are the, like the ones that I wanted to to mention. But yeah, a lot a lot of them, eighty nine in total. And then support. So those are uh, those are the steroids that we think should be in the Hall of Fame and not. Mm. So uh, I guess we're we're both I guess we're nose on Kevin Brown. One Gonzalez uh, in. So we're in on Barry Bonds, obviously, Roger Clemens, obviously, Mark McGuire, uh, Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, Gary Sheffield. Uh, we're on the fence, but probably out on Canseco, on Jason Giambi, on Sammy Sosa, and Rafael Palmero. And we're pretty confidently no, it sounds like, on Juan Gonzalez, uh, Andy Pettit, and... Uh, Miguel Tejada, Kevin Brown, and Eric Gagne. That's right. What about Matt Williams? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think that'll do it. A uh, lot of names thrown out. Um, Luis but, Gonzalez, yeah. Alex. What do you think? Oh, just going to the, to Diamondbacks. Um, also, steroid user Luis Gonzalez, by the way, religious steroid user. That's true. What was he? I forget how he was outed. I don't remember. Yeah. No one seems to care in Arizona that he's like steroids. But no, he's everybody, he's, he's beloved. <laughs> yeah, he's beloved. It doesn't matter. I don't think any of the actual, like, cities where these dudes took steroids care that they took steroids. Like, know? Barry Bond still gets, like, standing ovations in San Francisco, because obviously. Yeah. yeah, they don't care. The Cardinals fans give zero craps that Mark McGuire took steroids. They really, they really do. Yeah. None you think when the, when they're having all of those uh, Gary Sheffield reunions and every single one of his teams that they all care that he took steroids? When he does his entire season-long tour visiting every single team <laughs> that he played for? 
Remember Mets Gary Sheffield at the very end of his career? Yeah. 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 All right. Let's let's leave it off with uh with Mets Gary Sheffield. <laughs> All right. Podcast. End of podcast. Mets Gary Sheffield. Go watch Mets Gary Sheffield uh highlights. Uh, and that'll be my lasting term. All right, thanks so much oh, for listening. Ricky Henderson uh, Mets highlights. The, yeah, watch them both Ooh. back to back. I do have a recommendation with that. There is a 30 for 30 podcast on Ricky Henderson playing independent ball in like 2005 because he refused to quit baseball. Are you serious? Um, yeah, he played indie ball in 2005. Didn't want to stop playing. I did yeah. not know this. That's amazing. You can pay like two bucks for like some like random indie ball like baseball game and see Ricky Henderson if you want. Um... <laughs> anyway that'll do it uh so not sure what we'll talk about next hall of fame related but thanks so much for listening to uh this baseball edition of hall or nothing with cookie riley and alex weiner so definitely see you next time here on the pod